0: live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A
1: new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and
0: analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We can discuss it all. Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had
2: It So Good Sports Radio.
3: Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. I'm excited about tonight's Schedule and we're going to get started with this happening in sports and get my guys in here in just a moment. Duck Riley, how are you, sir? Doing well, Princess. How about yourself? I'm doing really good. You know, I asked you how you do it and you testing it out. You said I'm a mountaineer, so that means you're, you're real tough. You know how to handle it. Is that what you're telling me, Duck?
2: Hey, Princess, <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to go there with that, but you you kind of summed it up for me.
3: Oh Lord, have mercy. Yeah. Okay, as long as whatever time I live for the rest of my life, it'll be Mountaineers every day. Is that is that what you're telling?
2: Oh, without a doubt. You it's like the mafia. Once you're in, precious, you can't get out of that.
3: I love it. I love it. And he schooled me today on former quarterbacks for West Virginia. Um, and I consider myself a sports enthusiast or um, knowledgeable. I did not know that Mark Bolger was a Mountaineer. So um, I knew Major Harris and Pat White and, of course, the rest of them, but I didn't know that. So you got me, Doug. You got me on that one. So let's welcome in some of the guys here. Uh, I think this is Steve Thornton. Steve Thornton, welcome to the show. All right, Steve, I think you may have um there's something going on I'm not getting the sound from you all right last floor of your phone number one five zero nine one five zero nine. welcome to the show who do i have
4: hey precious duck this is oliver luck how you doing doing good how are you now, sir? precious you need to know you need to know duck riley is as tough as old shoe leather <laughs> <laughs> It's like some of those old leather cleats, Duck. You used to wear back in the day. Remember
3: the high tops? Yep. (laughs) Duck, you wore the high tops.
2: Hey, President. Hey, look, look. We're we're on a budget.
3: (laughs) Now I've been saying, you know, just kind of jokingly that your helmet was didn't have any face. You know, hey, guards did no. anything. You played so long ago. You, don't don't played with
4: a leather helmet. <laughs>
3: I was lucky to
2: get that from Carl Roberts.
4: <laughs> I was lucky to get a pair of
3: socks from Carl without <laughs> holes in them. <laughs> wow, this is going to be a good show. Leather high tops and leather helmet. Tim Moore, welcome to the show, sir. <laughs>
0: Glad to be with you, Princess. Glad to be with you,
3: Doug. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Nine I'm sorry, seven zero seven two, give us your name. My your phone number. Uh, my name is Edna Jenkins and I'm calling for okay. Bowie Maryland. Okay. Hold on right there. Hold on. I thought that was one of our um our guests, uh host duck. <laughs> That's it for right now. If you want to go ahead and get started as the rest of them come on. I still haven't gotten 3968, and I know that's Steve Thornton. Steve, I'm going to need you to... I got you now, sir. I got okay. you. How are you?
1: I'm well. And how are you guys this evening? Doing well, really good. And, uh,
2: if you ain't let my homeboy in, we will get ready to cancel this show. Are oh, we going to
3: cancel it? Well, if Tim Moore didn't show up, I was going to cancel it because I only want to talk about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. So, oh, <laughs> Lord.
4: Hey, <laughs> Francis,
2: we're to we're going to let you leave that off. So, what you get that off your chest? Go ahead. Let's, let's, let's right. get, get that going.
3: <laughs> let me get this off my chest. Now, I've watched yes. this whole saga from Tim Moore, and he said that Aaron Rodgers was not his first choice. But it seemed like that's where the Jets were going. And that's who Salah wanted. And um, the organization and the franchise went that way. And it seems like he was the the consummate professional. And on, on you know, on site and working with the guys, and here we are. It is now opening night on, on Monday Night Football, opening weekend, and he plays four snaps. He played a total of 93 seconds. Um, and he has torn his Achilles. And the first thing I thought, oh, my gosh, we've got to check on Tim Moore. But Tim Moore, <laughs> I really just want to know, as a Jets fan, I even looked for Mike Greenberg. They call him Greenie, but a Mike Greenberg, of yeah. course, you know, the, the, the Jets fan. And his wife posted a picture with him staring at the television in just one word, devastated. I want to hear from you um, your thoughts about this and then your, I don't know, your support For Zach Wilson, I'll start there.
0: (laughs) Well, that's a loaded question. It is. As as you all know, I've been a Jets fan for years, um, back from when I was a kid. And uh, a lot of people, well, I won't go into all of that, but I've been a Jets fan since I was a kid. And uh, you're right, I did not want um, uh, Aaron Rodgers as the first choice. I thought when Lamar Jackson was available that he would have been a perfect fit for the Jets, but the Jets said that they didn't want him. Uh, which I was Mm -hmm. really sort of, I couldn't understand that, but um, they went in the direction of Aaron Rodgers. I was concerned because Aaron Rodgers last year was not at OTAs. He was not very supportive of his teammates, and he pointed the fingers at guys who weren't catching the ball, weren't running routes. Any time something happened, he would always point the finger, and I was thinking a guy like that coming into a young, talented team could just upset the chemistry of the ball club. But as you said, since he's been there, he's done all the right things this year. He was at OTAs. He worked with the guys. He was socializing with them. And it appeared, um, except for his one little blow-up about the offensive line, which I also had a a tremendous uh, concern about, um, he appeared that he was being a good teammate. And uh, so I feel really bad um, that, uh, you know, he only got four snaps last night. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't wish him, uh, wish him uh, ill will at all. Uh, no, but uh, it's a real tremendous disappointment for the for Jets fans all over the place uh, because uh, I thought they were going to do some tremendous things. Now I didn't think with their early schedule that they were going to go, you know, five and one or four and two or anything like that because I I expected them maybe go three and three or two and four, but uh, without him and this guy, oh. This new this quarterback we've got now from BYU I just uh, I just do not believe he can get it done. So I'm hoping that they'll go out and get somebody to bring somebody in. I know Matt Ryan's out there. Uh, Tom Brady's out there, even though he may not be in football shape. Um, but I think they're gonna need another quarterback if they're gonna make any noise uh in the uh in the NFL this year.
3: Wow. Oliver look, the same question, but you know, um, we can't deny the impact of Aaron Rodgers. And we're not just talking about what the does, but his whole career. Um, he's an MVP-type quarterback, productive, and, um, can, and Super Bowl ready, if you ask me. He's getting ready to turn 30, I mean, sorry, 40. But, Oliver, tell me about when you heard this had happened. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it live and, and your thoughts about it.
4: I didn't see it live, but I, I heard it because obviously it was all over the news. I mean, yeah. the fact of the matter is you can't really play NFL football as a quarterback or virtually any other position maybe except kicker when you're 37, 38, 39 years old. Very few guys make it that far. And that, you know, when I when I read the story that he had, you know, torn his Achilles, it reminded me of Dan Marino, who was probably a bit younger but still, you know, probably had 15 or 16 years already in the league. It's just a tough league. <laughs> And that's the danger with, with older players. You know, Rogers has had a great career. He may never play again. He might come back next year, but he won't be. the same. But you know, it's just, if you're going to take an older guy, you know, you look at the courts, you know, look at the courts. They've had Philip Rivers for a year and then they had uh, Matt Ryan for a year. And uh, there was somebody else in there they had for a year, all older guys. And they just, don't have that much gas left in the tank, you know, and it's a tough, it's a very tough business. So I admire Aaron, great player. Um, you know, let's not forget Zach Wilson didn't play very well last year, but at least he played right. So this is not like a a rookie season for him. He should have some experience. And if I remember correctly, he was pretty high draft pick, right? He was in the top five, top 10. Yeah. That's right. The year he came out, you know, the Jets, you pick you pick a quarterback that high, you got to play him early, you know, to see what he's got. And you know, it's a, I guess, a godsend for him in a way that he can get on the field now, because he probably wouldn't have gotten on there if Aaron had stayed healthy. Uh, but it, it is a shame. He's a great player, but age always wins. Age is unbeaten.
3: Age is undefeated, is it not? You know, and I think the Colts even experimented with Carson Wentz, if I'm not mistaken. So they have been. Um, looking for that guy, but you were talking about the the older ones, and you're right, Philip Rivers um, and Matt Ryan it just didn't seem to fit. Steve Thornton, your your thoughts about Aaron Rodgers when you when you saw this, heard this, and 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 what does the Jets do now?
1: Oh, geez, I don't know what they do now. But when I saw it, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the commentary and a lot of the talk shows today that I've, I've been able to peek in on, <laughs> the discussion was. Who knew that he had torn his Achilles Achilles, and, you know, how everybody's an expert on Instagram and TikTok and making. But when I saw it, I told my wife, I said, he either has a severely sprained ankle or he tore his Achilles. Hmm. Unfortunately, I've done it. And when you see it, you kind of know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw this morning the, the, uh, they showed some real close-up video of yeah. how his ass flexed when yeah. he mm-hmm. hit in the ground. And I yeah. knew right away. And then when the way he was walking, because when I tore mine, I got up, well, I was on the ground, on the floor. I was playing basketball, tied my shoe up, stood up, and my leg buckled. I didn't yeah. hear anything. I didn't really feel anything either. But when I stood up, I was like, man, something is wrong here. But when I saw it, I felt my heart went out because I was like, they've done all this prep. There was so much hype. There was so much buildup. And then to have something like that happen. And, and as Coach was saying, you know, father time is undefeated. I'm not sure, and, and I hope he can or will or whatever he wants to do, but I'm not sure he will be able to come back. From that, because uh, it's it's a really really tough injury, and, and just you do so much that you don't realize you utilize your Achilles for. But I was saddened by it. I don't know where the Jets go from here. But but Coach, you seem to. I mean, um, the kid that they drafted, Wilson, was the number two pick in twenty twenty one. So that hot huh? felt like he could be the man. Wow. And I'm not sure of what the uh, you know the time he has spent with Aaron has helped, but you know they obviously I think need to to look around and, and try to make a move because he was going to be QB two obviously now he's one and I don't know I don't know who is behind him but the Jets I don't know they might have to play let's make a deal
3: some oh, yeah some guy named Doyle and he was on the Name- practice squad last night so they only had two. Um, you know, I, you know, there was even the conversation if something happens to Zach Wilson, then they go to, gosh, the young man from Kentucky that I can't think of right now that came with him from the Packers. But, um, here we are, um, and Doug, thank you for, for allowing me to go ahead and, and just discuss that. We, I don't see Rob Ambrose or Linda Johnson yet. Um, so let's go ahead and get started, Doug.
2: Okay. Uh. I want to come to Oliver because I want to change yourself a little bit. Oliver, uh, Mel Tucker has has issues um, (laughs) with the sexual harassment and stuff. How difficult is it for you as an athletic director to kind of go through this type of process?
4: That's a really good question, and I would say it's probably one of the hardest things that an athletic director has to do because, you know, on the one hand, we're all humans, we all make mistakes, we all have our weaknesses. You know, on the other hand, you're paying a guy $10 million a year to work with young men to represent the university on television in front of millions and millions of viewers. And you know uh, you've got a you know a pretty tight leash in a sense because of that, and and so it's 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 hard, and and I w- I would say, you know the the hardest part is the the interpersonal relationship that an athletic director would have with his head football coach or basketball coach, you know those those people work together a lot they spend a lot of time together etc. Uh, I bet most coaches spend more time with other coaches than they do with their spouse. So, you know, it's hard when you have to pull the trigger. I have no idea what's going to happen at Michigan state, but it's very hard emotionally on, on everybody involved. Hey, Doug, can I ask a coach a question? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm very curious listening to your answer. And I, I know a young lady, a good friend of mine, who's the, um, well, I'll just say that she's involved in this process in the human resources area at Michigan State now. And given the fact that we all know Michigan State's had these problems with the um, the doctor who was uh, working with the female athletes a few years ago, uh, and that turned into a really ugly situation. So this comes on the heels of that. How much of this is, is even um, uh, under the purview of the athletic director at this point or, or even the, the, the president of the university, because I, I read somewhere yesterday that the chairman of the board had written a letter in uh, support of Mel Tucker uh, a couple of months ago. Now they've suspended him. So I'm wondering, this seems like this is pretty far up the chain in terms of the
4: decision-making at this
0: point. Is that, is that correct?
4: Yeah, I would think so. A lot of it gets taken out of, of the athletic department. You know, uh, and in, in something like this, every school has its policies and, you know, the vast majority of schools would have this uh, issue be investigated by some sort of, a, uh, you know, university um, Title IX, right, because sexual harassment is a violation of Title IX, which is a federal law. So uh, a lot of it gets gets moved out of the athletic department. The athletic director, at the end of the day, probably doesn't have much control over it you know he or she has to plan for the future in case the coach is gone but it, it gets it gets elevated as you said very quickly to a pretty high level usually the president's office and then the you know the the, the board of trustees or board of directors and it, and for a state school it's it's maybe a little bit different because obviously a governor can get involved you know and i think oh, yeah. i saw some quotes from uh from the michigan governor you know who went to michigan state and i guess herself said she had been sexually harassed uh, oh, Lord. or a you know, victim of some kind of a sexual crime while on campus as a, as a student. So, you know, there, there, it becomes obviously, you know, a huge story. This, I mean, it's, I, I'm, I'm sure I assume all over the papers in Michigan and, you know, uh, on the talk shows and, and all that stuff. No, nobody's talking about the Detroit Lions really good game last week anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well,
2: let me jump to Steve. Steve, when you when you heard about uh, the Michigan State situation, what what
1: came to mind? Oh, good question. Uh, disappointment. I, I, and I know we do not know all of the facts, um, you know, but I was just disappointed, very very disappointed, that he would put himself in such a position. Um, uh, it, he has a big contract. And and, and and the more money you make, the more you're scrutinized. Um, that, that's an unfortunate truth, I think. But I was just very disappointed that he would put himself in that type of a position. You know, number one, I, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere where he is married. And, you know, but, I mean, people do things that they shouldn't do all the time. But just really disappointed in him as an individual, um, you know, those types of opportunities are very difficult. We talk about it a lot on this show. Very difficult to come by. You know, Big Ten School, Michigan State, very high-profile football program, and saddened and disappointed that he will put himself into such a position. there, There are, or there do seem to be, a lot of things that two and two don't add up to four, where this is concerned. But geez, I, I I just don't know how you allow yourself to be put into that type of a position when you have such a high-profile job. So, you know, without getting into the ins and outs of it, my first response and my first emotion was, was disappointment that I'm looking at it and reading about it. And, you know, him denying some things, but, and that's the part I hate about something like this, is because it's really hard to get at the truth. Um, not to say that he didn't do something wrong, because he obviously did. So, but the, uh, the detail, you know, the, uh, the granularity of it, if you will, we don't really know. Or I don't know. I won't say we don't know, but I don't know. And just disappointment overall and general disappointment in his behavior.
2: Okay, uh, Rob Ambrose, being a being a uh, former head coach, how difficult is this going to be for him to try to get try to land another job?
5: Oh goodness! Well, it's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of aspects to this that you know we could talk about, but we can't touch. There'll be legalities in Title Nine investigations to a degree where the truth will probably come out. But in the world where perception is reality and cancel culture is the norm, you step you step outside the lines, you may never be able to walk that line again. Uh, it's an incredibly unfortunate situation, and I, uh, it's uh, I, you know I feel ba- I feel bad for the kids, I really do because whatever's going on, they're the ones that have to deal with it.
0: Okay, uh,
2: Tim,
5: your thoughts on it?
2: But
0: mine are are very similar to uh, Coach Luck's uh, comments. I I think it will. Everybody really. I think it's just an unfortunate situation. Um, I I think there's something about it. From having read the USA Today article um, and having sort of considered it, it, something about it doesn't quite smell right. Um, There's some things that don't seem to make sense. Uh, in the situation, so I'm just going to kind of sit back and watch and see what comes out, uh, but I, I, I agree with Coach Ambrose, I mean and, and, and I think Coach Luck said it too his uh, his prospects for future employment are pretty much shot, his reputation is going to be damaged regardless of whether they find out that he didn't do what she may have claimed he did um, his reputation, uh, you know the genie's out of the, out of the bottle now um, and that's sad, that's really sad, and Steve's comments that Uh, You know, he put himself in a bad position is true. Whether he did what she claimed or not, uh, he did put himself in a a situation to be accused of this, which is uh, unfortunate. Um, I I mentioned that I have a friend that's uh, in human resources at uh, Michigan State and I didn't even try to call her. I just texted her and sent her some praying hands uh, because I know that if I talk to her, she can't tell me anything. Uh, And so that's just a waste of time. But I just wanted to let her know that I'm sympathetic to the situation she's in. Um, But it's a bad, it's a bad, it's a bad look for everybody, I think. Uh, Very unfortunate.
3: Did we lose, duck?
2: Precious, from a a lady's viewpoint.
3: I I just concur with everyone. Um, And I think um, his home life and his work life is just um, in turmoil and uprooted now. And hopefully he can, you know, um, correct and take care of his home life um, and and get that back on track. And hopefully the young men, the athletes, will stop having to ask questions because I'm sure they're they're being bombarded with this and um hopefully the the um the program can move forward. But it's unfortunate that this happened um and for some reason she feels um that she had to to file a grievance and for some reason he felt, you know, he put himself in that position. But just unfortunate all around. Um and maybe two or three years he can bounce back in some coaching position but I'm afraid that right now you know the damage has been done okay
2: I want to come back to Coach Ambrose and we want to talk about the media because we all know the media can be brutal Uh, how do you how do you handle the media and do you let your freshmen speak to the media
5: oh goodness Uh Well, in the, in the handling of media, I, like Doc, I love that what you said because you use the word handling, but I don't think we should use that. I don't think <laughs> they like that. I, and I, I'm being honest. Now, I found it to be, in my experience, in my limited experience. I found it the more honest you can be with them, the better they're going to treat you, and the less they're going to come after you. If you understand that they have a job to do and you're you can actually help them do their job. In generality, you know, you're, you're the keeper of information. You're the keeper of quotes when you're the head coach. So you can give them stuff that they can write that makes them look good. And if you're cognizant of that, you can make yourself a friend or two. And when push comes to shove and things get a little difficult and there's some gray area, that positive relationship from being honest and truthful with these guys certainly pays dividends. Now, I'm also going to say that not every media member has the same kind of <clears throat> positive-based morality, of which I'm naturally referring to here, in which case that can be a dangerous thing, and you need to be aware of that. I'd say, the old, in, in that case, uh, you keep your friends close and your enemies closer. As far as letting freshmen speak to the media, on the whole, not without education first that the experience of representing more than themselves is usually a first-time deal that's much bigger than the standard school newspaper in high school or your local your local uh, sports information newspaper in your little town. So making sure that these kids get, get a chance to get educated and understand what the pitfalls could be and that they represent something bigger than themselves to a much larger, larger audience moving forward – yeah, after that, we'll let him, let them speak a little bit. But letting them get their feet wet, maybe not even by doing it, but by practicing doing it and then watching guys above them either have positive or negative experiences and talking about that in their educational process certainly helps them represent the institution better down the road. <laughs> Giving them the keys to the car that early is a little dangerous.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, and, Oliver, as far as, you know, being a player, former player, uh, being an athletic director, The media. We we see how Dion is handling some of the media. We see how Coach Saban, Belichick. What was your What was your process on handling the media?
4: Well, I I think what Coach Ambrose said is really spot on. Uh, The the media, if, if if they don't like you, man, they can they can cut your legs out from under you. Uh, you've got to be – you have to deal with the media. You have to be honest with the media. You can you can speak in generalities when you have to. Uh, but I've always believed uh, it's helpful to get a, a healthy relationship with the media. Um, there, there are very few successful coaches or athletic administrators that haven't learned to have a healthy relationship with, with the press. Sometimes they'll write bad things. You know what? <laughs> they're probably justified in doing that when they write bad things, uh, because they're 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 people as well. Uh, but you know, I I I think it's important to teach men and women, you know, athletes, coaches, you name it, how to deal with the media. You don't have to bend over backwards, of course, you know, and you can say no comment at any time. Uh, but it is important to have a relationship because that can come in handy very often. I think what Coach Ambrose said was spot on.
2: Okay, how, how, well, your feelings on freshmen speaking to the media.
4: You know, I would I would coach him up just like you coach him up to put them in the game. I'd coach him up. Uh, you know, uh, freshmen in college probably aren't going to get a lot of tough questions, right? Uh, most you know most of the media and you know work work with their SID et cetera have all those professional people there, but you know just like you you, you want to do on the field or on the court, I'd coach him up and let him talk. Okay. Uh, tell me by the way, to by the way I, I, I think how, how Dion is handled in the media is absolutely a master class. It's, it's <laughs> incredible. And, and keep in mind, as an athletic director, <laughs> you want your coach I mean, to be as, as gifted with the media as Dion is because, you know what, that sells tickets. That brings viewers to the television set. I mean, that's all about, you know, generating revenue. And, you know, you, you don't think Dion has paid for himself ten times over already at Colorado? I mean, what he's doing is really a master class.
2: Okay, uh, Steve, the media, and you—you you see how some people deal with the media, and you see how some, only not everybody's freshmen are able to speak to the media. Your, yeah, your feelings on that? You know, I, I don't know if there
1: is a, a a good way to deal with the media.
2: I just heard uh, Mister
1: Luck talking about Dion and how he handles the media, but he is truly a unique case. I don't think most people have the ability to stand in front of a camera with, or, or a mic and express themselves the way Dion does. That's the first thing. He, he's truly gifted. But then then on the, the flip side of that, I love when they talk to Bill Belichick, because he says nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and some of, the, some of the media hate it, and some of them feel lukewarm about it, but you want to you want to talk to a coach and, and, and get some sound bites and get some interesting tidbits, and some guys just don't give it up. <laughs> and, and Dion is one, like I said, he is the other side of the coin in that uh, he always has something to, to say. And, and the, the, the nice part is generally it is something that is meaningful. I won't say it's always profound, though sometimes it is profound, but, but I love the way he handles the media. <clears throat> but in, in general – I think most people, coaches, and, and no disrespect to anybody on this call, but coaches and players alike, are not, are not, they're not built to handle the media because that's a part of the job and that's a part of the, uh, the exposure that you get, especially at the collegiate level and on up, that either it's something that you have a knack for, or maybe something that can be learned to a degree, but, but most people don't make good interviewees, I'll put it that way. Uh, when you see them talking to guys after the game, you know, they're very emotional sometimes, and they don't always express themselves the way they might want to. But, you know, I have very, very mixed emotions about it. I wish that it wasn't such a big thing. And, and now with social media, You know, young guys, young men and women have the opportunity to express themselves over social media where they don't have to talk. They don't have to give an interview. They don't have to give a soundbite. So, you know, it's a totally different world. And, uh, you know, if, if you said to your freshmen, we're not going to talk to the media, well, you might not see them or hear them talking to the media, but you best believe that Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and everything else is lit. So I'm not sure how you get your arms around it. I remember when John Thompson was at Georgetown, he didn't permit his freshman players to to speak to the media, and, and in a way, it was it was probably a great thing because as a freshman, like I said, few people come prepared to to speak and and be involved with the media. So. I would love to say it depends on the person, but when you've got 50, 60 guys on a football team and you're trying, and well, all of them obviously are not freshmen, but even juniors and seniors on the football team might not be able to handle a camera in their face and a microphone in their face. It is It is a, it is a learned process. And a lot of people go to schools to learn how to do that. And you're asking a guy, who comes in out of high school or a young lady who comes in out of high school to do that, and it can often be very tough and very awkward. I I really wish that, you know, some of the things that we used to have implemented for freshmen we could bring back. But I think those days are probably long gone. But, uh, you know, it's nice when you get somebody that can handle the media. It really, really is.
2: Okay, uh, Tim, who do you like best uh, dealing with the media? Popovich, or
0: Belichick. <laughs> Did we lose Tim, precious? No, I'm still here. I'm sorry, I was just talking away. Um, <laughs> both of them have a have a unique way of dealing with the media. They're both very, uh, really kind of brash. Uh, although although Popovich tends to be a little bit more. Um, gregarious, and, and humorous at times. Uh, but they both are very guarded in dealing with the media. My favorite is uh, of all time, I think, is Bill Parcell, uh who was really tough in dealing with the media. He was, uh, he was sort of the blueprint for Belichick, but he actually had a little humor involved in some of his dealing with them as well. But with all three of them, and Nick Saban included, uh, you better win. Uh, because if if they were not as successful as they are or have been, they wouldn't have been able to get away with some of the things that they do with the media. Uh, because I think uh, Coach Luck and, and and Coach Ambrose both pointed out, pointed out they can be they can make your life miserable. Um, most of you all know I did this. That's what I did for a living for thirty years. I was a PR uh, director, and uh, <laughs> um, I, I think Coach Ambrose may have may have said it. Uh, you have to have a relationship with them, um, and you have to sort of set some 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 boundaries and some ground rules where they uh at the very least trust you um, I used to when I would go into new jobs uh, and I knew that there were lead reporters because there 's always a lead dog, somebody who 's like a beat reporter who 's going to be with you more than the others are um, i would I would let them know. Uh, right up front when I first met them, there are going to be some things that I can't tell you. Um, there, 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 there are going to be some things that I just can't tell you. But the things that I do tell you, you can bet, I'm going to be honest with you, and they're going to be the truth. And if you can set those ground rules, as, as Coach Luck mentioned, uh, that you're, you're going to tell them the truth, and they can trust that you're going to tell them the truth, and you don't burn them by giving them bad information. They put it in the paper or they put it on the air and then find out later on uh, that it's wrong and that they're humiliated. Then they start coming at you. But if you can be honest with them, um, you can develop a working relationship with them. Where a lot of people make a mistake is uh, they assume that they know how to deal with the media and they try to be their friend. You always have to remember they are not your friends. They have a job to do. You have a job to do. So you have to set some some boundaries, uh, but you do have to be honest with them, and you do have to deal with them. You have to be accessible and give them some information. Um, And as Coach Luck said, you can make their job a lot easier by giving them a bone here and there and and develop the kind of uh, interaction with them that can work for both of you. But it's a, it's, a, it's a skill. It's a learned skill. Now, as far as freshmen are concerned, um, Steve mentioned Coach uh, John Thompson. I thought he did an excellent job because I saw, I saw an interview he did with, I believe it was Patrick Ewing, uh, who was the number one recruit in the country when he came out of high school. And um, he sat with Patrick Ewing whenever, you know, the media was around, and he limited the amount of, of access that they had uh, to talk with media and answer questions. Uh, he would step in when something became a little difficult, uh, but he didn't completely close them off to the media. And and that's, again, by setting those boundaries and, and, and giving them the confidence that whatever you do tell them, it's going to be the truth.
2: Okay, I want to come to Prensons, because Prensons, being part of the media yourself you could possibly hear somebody speak and you don't really particularly like some of the stuff that they're saying. So your turn to go in and interview them. Can you be a little petty?
3: (laughs) (laughs) You can. And and I think if you are being interviewed, you have to understand there is an agenda by those that are trying to report and those that are trying to interview you. Um, And, Everybody's looking for the scoop and everybody's looking for the story and to be able to report it first. Um, And everybody wants that credit, you know, under their byline that says report it first by da-da-da-da, you know, and that's what the agenda is. And um, it is, you have to make sure that you are trying to give them the truth when you do. Um, If you're on that other side and being interviewed and, uh, like Tim said, is to you know have a professional relationship, and but if you give them some information, make sure it's the truth, and that you don't burn them, and then you have develop a relationship. Um, I like what he said about John Thompson. I that was one of my favorite coaches. Um, I didn't know that how he handled Pat Patrick Human. but freshmen for sure. Um, as Oliver Oliver Luck said, they need to be coached up, um, and you have to do that, but be you know. Be careful how you use those. It's a learned behavior and something you need to be good at. Um, But, again, the reporters and those in the media, like me, we're looking for that story, Um, and we're going to ask you those questions to get that story.
2: Okay. Uh, I want to jump back to uh, Oliver. And, Oliver, I want to talk about your feelings on what Senator Tuberville and Mansion are trying to do as far as uh, Help with this nil, as we call it, really, and it ain't.
4: <laughs> well, some people think nil now stands for now it's legal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the um, so the NCAA, of course, is the governing body for college sports, and they've declined really to put any kind of a regulatory framework. Around nil which is now starting its uh you know it's two or three months into its third year you know of being allowed, so what they've done is they've gone to washington d c to the Senate and the House of Representatives, and they're trying to get you know bills introduced and and eventually passed that would you know put some guard you know, they, they say put guardrails around nil I think to be honest with you, it's a waste of time. I think uh, student-athletes should have the opportunity to do NIL deals. Uh, I don't think that Congress should spend the time. There's many bigger, more challenging problems in this country than, you know, a, a kid making 10000 bucks or getting a free car or whatever. So, you know, I, I, I'm just not a big fan of the work that the NCAA is trying to do in Congress because I, I don't think it really uh, is a is a matter of national importance, right? It's all about priorities, and I'd rather see Congress, you know, do the things they're supposed to do. The reason people sent them there wasn't to, you know, to put together an nil package, if you will. So, uh, that, but that that's just my personal feeling.
2: Okay, Rob, it's, it's same question. Do, you know, do you kind of feel that uh, that maybe everybody should get paid? Maybe the same amount, uh, or the you, you throw a little a bonus on maybe some of the better players. Yeah. Your thoughts? Because some of it seems like mentioning uh, Tupperfield are trying to work towards something of that nature. Well,
5: I think that uh, I'm I'm a big meritocracy guy. You get what you are and uh, and I also understand like going to Congress for all this stuff. You already opened Pandora's box. It's over, and so trying to rein it in now, that's like that's like trying to be an elementary school teacher making rules beginning of June. The kids aren't going to listen to you. Nobody's going to listen. It's already over. So as far as it, the thing as it goes, the rich are going to get rich. It's capitalism at its finest, and the rich are going to get rich, and the not rich are either going to have to figure out how to get rich or they're not. And, that's, and we've, we've now created the minor leagues of the NFL, And without guardrails, that's how it's going to stay. It's going to grow itself right into semi-pro football. So, uh, you know, my personal opinion, does our opinion really matter anymore? It's already (laughs) going to happen. I'm serious. Like, it's going to happen. So how we feel about it really doesn't matter. It's more about how do we manage it, how do we make it a positive experience as it can be for the kids, how is the people, how are, as keepers of the game and people that love the game so much, how do we keep that from destroying the game? But as far as the, the bending it whatever, if we, were, if we really, really cared about stuff like that, then we would have sat down and thought about it before we opened the box. And there were too many people going, I just don't want to hear anybody yell at me anymore. Let's just do it. And who cares what the consequences are? Well, this is what we're stuck with. So let's,
2: let's figure out a way to make it as good as we can, just like anything else. Okay. Uh, Steve, come on real and master thing. think they, they got the answer for this. <laughs> I don't know if there is an answer.
1: One of the, the things that has struck me in all of this is the NCAA. Um, they really opened Pandora's box by a few years ago before NIL became
3: what it is.
1: They didn't want to give athletes some type of a, a stipend or to subsidize their time there at the university. And if that had been done, and there's no absolutes in life, but I do think we wouldn't be where we are now. And a lot of people didn't want that to happen. You know, I've heard it discussed amongst friends that they don't need to give them anything, you know, they're getting a free free education, but, it's different when you work and you're being underpaid. We have a minimum wage in this country, and it's not a living wage. We all know that. And I equate being a college athlete to being and getting a scholarship to go to school and playing for the university and all the blood, sweat, and tears they pour into it to be, to get minimum wage. And like you said, if they had just subsidized athletes, and I mean, all of the athletes that play for the university, you know, from football to basketball down to soccer and volleyball and lacrosse and tennis and golf, whatever else that they they have, those kids work hard. And they put a lot of time into what they do. And I I think the NIL was just a way for the NCAA to, to, to shift the responsibility. It really bugs the heck out of me. And as far as this bill is concerned, I saw a quote somewhere today. that said, "Some issues should not be political," and and, and I agree with what the, the coaches have said. This should not be political, but it is becoming that. And, I, and I'm circling back to the NCAA again. What do they do? I mean, they got a committee for the for the college football playoffs, but come on, this is to me this is what the NCAA is in place for. Otherwise, we need to have another governing body because they're not doing their job. That's pretty obvious to me and has been for the last several years that they, they are very, very sad at governing college athletics in general. And for, to have this fall into a political arena is just not something that needs to be done. And you know the the guy who is the president of the NCAA right now is the former governor of Massachusetts, and you know I, I have a hard time with that too. Not that he isn't qualified or, or can't do it, but take a guy who is a is a is a politician and let him head up be president of the NCAA. Uh, you know I, I have a problem with that. It, it bugs me, but. To answer you, I hope that I have answered your question. But you know, I don't. I hate to see this become political. And uh, I think uh, Coach Love said the, the toothpaste is out of the tube, and it's not going back in. So
0: we'll have to deal
2: with what comes. All uh, right, Tim. What's your thoughts on it, Tim?
0: Yeah, I, I'm not exactly certain what Mansion and Tuberville are doing, uh, uh, what they're proposing. Uh, with regard to this particular issue. Um, But I'm somewhat familiar with both of them uh, in terms of their previous careers. Um, Manchin was a very good governor when he was the governor of West Virginia. Um, But in the past couple of years, I think he has stood in the way of some things that would have been good for the state of West Virginia, um, which I didn't quite understand. And I think a lot of the people in West Virginia didn't quite have a good grasp on because they were caught up in rhetoric that they were being fed um, and didn't realize that some of the things that he was doing was not benefiting them. Um, And Coach Tuberville, I thought was a really good football coach at Auburn, um, went on to Cincinnati and had marginal success. But uh, he has not, in my opinion, been a very good uh, representative of the people uh, since he's been in Congress. I mean, he's holding up the military um, appointments for the secretaries of the Army, of the Navy, and the Air Force right now, um, just on some stuff that has to do with what people choose to do in their bedrooms. It, it's um, relative to the to what they're doing with the NCAA. I, I agree with Coach, Coach Luck. Um, they probably shouldn't be involved in this. Um, let sports people deal with these issues. Um, and so that's kind of my opinion on it. Um what they're doing. Okay. Even
3: um, though I don't know the specifics. Yeah, Doug, um, I I agree with um Coach Ambrose that the you know, the Pandora's doors box is already open. I don't I don't know um what the NCAA is trying to collaborate if they are with Manchin and Tupperville. Um but and I, I don't know how we get to political now. If Manchin and Tupperville want, want to do something, um, please try to help the 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 price of eggs and gas and and, and bread, you know, <laughs> do that for my budget um, so I can make that bread pudding, duck, duck, right, duck that I haven't you. done yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that, that's a woman's perspective, you know, in, in the household. I don't, I don't know why we have now let all of this out, and that is the NIL. And now we want to reel it back in, but, you know, we just wanted to make sure that no one's still fussing at us. It's there. That's what you all wanted. So deal with it, you know. You wanted the transfer portal, transfers to be on the equal footing as with coaches, so here we are, you know, you all deal with it. So I think it's already out, and as um, Coach Luck said, what is it? Now it's legal. That's where we are. Um, so I don't know what Mansion and, and Tuberville can do to affect that.
2: Okay, guys, we're going to just kind of – just give me who you think's going to win, you know, uh games of the week, I just picked out, like, the main game, the great game, uh, which you probably already mm-hmm. see, the number one game. Uh, we have it versus WVU, the Mountaineers. Uh, I'm going to start off with you, uh, Steve uh, Thornton.
1: Okay, man. I- I'm going to back you up on this one then go WVU. All
2: right. Okay. I'm feeling love. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Uh, Coach Ambrose?
5: Doc, when am I ever going to bet against you? Okay. (laughs) How's that possible? Come on, man. You know better. I got your back, dude. West Virginia.
2: I'm feeling the love. All right.
0: Tim. Yeah, I um, – Pick got beat by uh, Cincinnati last week, I think. Um, I'm going to go with West Virginia. Okay. All of a luck. Come on, Doc. You asking me seriously?
4: <laughs> <laughs> our alma mater, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm asking you part of, on the side of mafia. I'm asking you the mafia side. Who's <laughs> we,
4: we we lost we lost a close one last year in Pittsburgh. We're going to win this one Saturday in Morgantown. All
2: right,
4: all right. Be careful, Princess. Who you taking?
3: You know, we've allowed you to refer to the Pit Panthers as it so much on this show, to no one says a word anymore. We just let <laughs> you go ahead and do that. But I'm not going against anybody on here, uh, Virginia.
2: Oh my goodness. I I, ho- I hope my daughter Tori heard that because I know it was <laughs> I know I know it was hard for But anyway, yeah. uh, stand with your presence,
3: Washington,
2: and Michigan State.
3: Oh, wow. I think Michigan State just has a, a letdown emotionally, and, and I like Pennix. I want to see him in action, so I'm going Washington. I know you don't. Yeah, I'll just say Washington. Sorry for the other stuff. All
2: right, uh, Tim?
0: Yeah, Doug, I think uh, I think the Washington Huskies are uh, a pretty good football team this year, and Michigan State uh, has got too much stuff going on right now on campus, Washington.
1: All right, uh I, I think Washington I think Washington too. Even if nothing was going on at Michigan State, I really like Michael tennis Jr. And uh yeah. you know, so I take Washington
4: in a heartbeat.
5: Okay, uh Oliver. <laughs>
4: You know, I, I, I'm going to go with Michigan State. I think the kids are going to be up, up, upset, you know. Uh, they're going to somehow stick together. They're going to get some energy. Washington's got a great quarterback. I love kind of kids, kids a real player. I'm, I'm going with the home team because of that game's up in East Lansing. Okay. All right.
2: Uh, Rob Ambrose.
5: A uh, lot, lot of on-campus turmoil. It does – it does one of two things. It either makes that team tighter or it sprays everybody apart. I'm going to guess that it, the game's going to be closer than anybody thinks, but I'm I'm going to watch it, but it's going to be close. I think Michigan State's going to tighten it up, and I think those kids are really going to come together and give everything they got.
2: Okay, I'm going to stay right with you. We've got uh, Minnesota and UNC.
5: Oh, that's a good one. Where is it
2: at? That's a good UNC. question.
5: Uh, Chapel Hill. Uh, no question. I'm taking
1: UNC. No question at home. Okay, Steve. I'll I'll take Carolina, North Carolina on that one. After battling App State again, <laughs> they ought to be. They are on alert and they are ready to play now. They they, they escaped again last week. So I'll go. I'll go North Carolina against against Minnesota. Okay, uh, Precious.
3: You know, I, I, I'm going to go Minnesota. As I said, every year <laughs> North Carolina struggles with App State, and they, they disappoint me. So disappoint me. So I'm going to go Minnesota just because.
2: Okay, Oliver, I'm going Minnesota as well. Ooh, ooh, okay. I'm gonna stay right with you. Uh my last question for everybody is uh South Carolina versus Georgia. Who you got? Oliver.
4: Bulldogs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rob Ambrose.
5: Oh, if I were a best man.
4: No. <laughs> definitely
5: bulldogs. Definitely bulldogs. Definitely bulldogs.
2: <laughs> I right.
1: Steve. You know, I'll go Georgia, too, sight unseen. I haven't really seen them play this year, but, uh, you know, I know they're deep and they're always tough, so I'd I'd have to go with Georgia.
2: Okay. Precious, let us know and take us home.
3: Well, as a lifelong Gator, it hurts my heart to pick Georgia for anything, but (laughs) I don't don't think the Gamecocks are going to go between the hedges and be able to take that one. So, Georgia. All right. Take it off, Brenda. All right. Oliver Luck, Rob Ambrose, um, Steve Thornton, uh, Tim Moore, Duck Riley, we appreciate you all for being on. Glad, Glad to be on. For you Great weekend. Great. you guys. Awesome. Never well, had it so we good, go. we'll get out of the way here. You all have a good week, too. We're back in about three minutes at the top of the hour. Never had it so good.